Welcome to the Burned Out Preacher Podcast, where we have frank discussions weekly on ministry struggles and how many of us in the ministry have gone from overwhelmed and exhausted to calm and equipped leaders who love being in ministry. I am your host, Monique Addison Stinson, Burnout Prevention Coach for Ministry Leaders. Are you ready to overcome burnout? If your answer is yes, then keep listening. Hello and welcome back to the Burnout Preacher Podcast. I am your host, Monique Addison Stinson, Burnout Prevention Coach for Ministry Leaders. And I help ministry leaders who are overwhelmed and exhausted go to calm and equipped ministry leaders and those who love ministry. And we are continuing our episode or our series called It's Time to Talk About Ministry burnout and I am so excited. I have an amazing, amazing guest. You're going to hear me say this every time because each guest that I have is absolutely amazing. But this one, I've been knowing her since we were kids. So I'm not going to say how many years that's been, but it's been a few years and I am going to let her introduce herself. Thank you so very much. Um, yes, we have known each other some time. I am the Reverend Terrace Broughton Robinson, an itinerant elder in the African Methodist Episcopal Church and a community leader here. And I tell you what, I am so excited to be able to have this dialogue with you um, as a, a ministry consultant and the seriousness of how you've taken your calling for the past few years. I am just totally excited. Thank you, sis. I appreciate that. So I know this is your first time. Um, I'm, I'm sure you've heard the podcast. So uh, from the title of the podcast, over on these streets, we talk about burnout and uh, particularly ministry burnout. So when you hear ministry burnout, what, what, what do you think about that or what's your definition of ministry burnout? Um, okay, well, that's a good one. Let me see, let's see, can we define ministry burnout? Yeah. Um, it is the process of, um, you know, working hard at ministry w- without a, restorative routine to sustain it. I like that. I like that. I love the word restorative. I love that. Listen at you. Okay, <laughs> So do you feel like you've experienced burnout at all? Absolutely. Oh my gosh. I mean, uh, being a, especially being a new pastor and um, having to, I guess, um, reframe the idea of what success looks like. Right. Um, of right. course, in the 21st century, this post-pandemic um, environment, everyone wants to still make an impact. Exactly. But um, what what does that look like to do it healthily? Right. Um, and, and I had to totally readjust, reframe and reorganize, number one, my expectations of myself and number two, my expectations of others. 
I love that. I love that. When you, what, what exactly would you say was going on with you when you, when you felt like you were dealing with burnout? Like, did you use the word I'm burned out or how, how are you feeling? Because I feel like a lot of pastors and ministry leaders are in the throes of burnout, but they don't know it. Ooh, that's good, sis. Absolutely. You're, you're exactly right now. Really what we need you to do is do us a, a, a how you know you're in burnout questionnaire. <laughs> that, that, that's what's coming. Actually okay. have one. <laughs> that's, okay, but um, also I think that when you, you know, we need to recognize that um, our relationship with God, our prayer life, um, even our, our walk, our faith walk, it is not um, contingent on our ability to properly handle stress. So ju- just because you're called and you're chosen and you're, you know, what I, the old, what does that old pastor say? Um, uh, saved, sanctified, five baptized, dipped in the blood, washed in the Holy Ghost. Yeah. You could still be all that right. and still experience burnout. You know, it because, and the reason why we don't verbalize it is because um, pastors and preachers have had to operate in the misnomer that in order to be called and anointed, that you have to have a perfect life. Right. That's, that's not the truth. And so people are less transparent because of the vulnerability of criticism, Right. which is separate from, for us than any other profession. So true, so true. And I've often mentioned that burnout, well, actually pastors, um, that profession is very similar to um, that of a caregiver. And, but I like what you just said that that is um, being a pastor in the ministry. We we just don't verbalize it because it's not, I don't want to say it's looked down upon, but it kind of is, you know, you you are, I don't know, you kind of looked at as not, working hard enough, you're not um, growing your ministry like you should, unless you like all your hair is coming out and you just like on the brink of, <laughs> you like, you just on the brink of ugh, destruction in order for you to uh, be looked at and respected, unfortunately, in the ministry. And I found that a lot of us are dying. There's so many health conditions that um, come out of stress and particularly burnout that a Mm -hmm. lot of pastors are dealing with. Um, Actually, there's a study, and I can't remember, I'll have to pull it up and I'll probably add it to the show notes, but there's a study that said that the pastoral profession, the health challenges that pastors have is like that of white um, men or white CEOs. They have the same health conditions that a lot of CEOs, particularly white CEOs, and and this particular study mentioned white CEOs because unfortunately we have more of those than we do black. That's another podcast episode. (laughs) But anywho, (laughs) but they've mentioned that pastor's health um, is is dire and it's, it's bad. It's mm-hmm. really bad. And it actually stems from not handling stress properly. So when you experience burnout, 
do you feel like you've recovered? And if so, what did you do to recover? Oh, the, um, it's just like what you, you, you brought up a good point and I don't want, and I don't want to miss it. I don't want us to over, um, just run through it. That was very valid. What you said when you talked about the white CEOs, right? Because we have an understanding of, um, the culture, the corporate culture as being one that is highly individualistic, um, extremely, um, you know, pressure driven mm-hmm. and acceptance aimed. Right. So uh, it, the pressure of being accepted by all of these people that are quote unquote under you, and then you have this massive responsibility to uh, run an organization that is seen as that, that is noted to be hierarchical. Yes. So, right. Those are very much, those are very similar. And, um, and, and just like, and to your point, um, I would like to say I did exactly what the writer of that um, research paper was probably suggesting, and she is, to change her culture, right? There has to be a, a different culture center um, for what success looks like and how your calling um, is exposed during even those rough times. Yeah. So for instance, like, um, you know, I have, I have my, my Sex in the Church podcast where we discuss um, the issues of sex, sexuality, and sexism. Now, when April hit, that was Sexual Assault Awareness Month. It was, to, uh, you know, to, we're telling stories. We're getting people to tell stories and giving their stories. And honestly, I've collected 1,092 stories in the past 10 years wow. that I've done this work. Wow. Yeah, so it's, it's easy for me to, you know, put something out there, right? right? But um, also realize maybe two weeks, maybe a week into it, that I, it, it started to trigger me. That I, that I had to sit with some of this for a second. And I had, you know what I mean? So what yeah. does the ministry do at this point when I'm triggered and, and this is not putting me in a good space? Right. So then I, okay, let's flip the script a little bit. Now we're going to talk about some statistics. All right. Now we're going to talk about some coping mechanisms. Look, now we're going to uh, he- hear me talk about my story with this licensed professional. You understand? Right. How, do, how do we live out loud and authentically and still stay committed to our God and our calling and our ministries. And you and know, it, that's a good point because I feel like I know God allows us to, he, he requires us to live authentically, but unfortunately the church does not. And that's the problem, right? right? That's the problem. And that's why we have burnout. Woo, honey, but let me tell and this is, I have, and, and oh, because um, that has really been my rub. And I'm, I'm gonna, you know what, you're just hitting it right now. I'm gonna tell you, you're exactly right. Living inauthentically will have you in burnout. Mm-hmm. I remember trying to, um, and I, especially after I first accepted my calling, you know, it was like, oh, I have to look like this and be like this and act like this and, you know, maintain this. You know what I'm saying? And it, it almost killed me. Yeah. Right. Then um, being assigned to a church with with very traditional down home values that was 
um, brazenly antithesizing to what my ministry is all about. Wow. And so to, to be able to, first of all, love them and honor them and spiritually lead them as far as I could, um, but still be true to what I know God has called me to do and the congregation, um, whether they are tithers or not, whether they come into the four walls or not, uh, we all have a congregation and we all have a pastor. Yeah. And so each one of us, right? So I have to be authentic to those people who are my congregation. And that group, we cherish authenticity. Yeah. So, so it really depends on what type of pastor you are now. And now, today's, today, I mean, look at Jamal Bryant. Um, they told him years ago, you know, you're too, you're too out there, you're too radical. And what did he do? He started a church of those out there radical people, AME. In the AME church, right? Absolutely. Right, absolutely. Right, exactly. So being, being a son of a bishop, a grandson of a bishop, okay, his granddaddy uh, was a graduate of Payne Theological Seminary. Um, he said, oh, okay, I see how y'all said it's supposed to be done, but let me show you how God called me to do it. Right. And he, he started his church and the church then became packed with people who think and praise and understand God just as the way he does. And so that's what we're doing right now. I mean, it's not about trying to fit into a box or fit into some shoes that were not made for you. And I will never, I will never do that again. Not in the name of Jesus. Exactly. I won't. Exactly. And that is one of the ways to prevent burnout. <laughs> <laughs> it's not to fit in boxes and to do what it is God wants you to do. Um, gosh, you mentioned, you mentioned a couple things. So I do want to talk about, I want to go back and talk about sex, sex in the church. But before we do that, talk about when you were first assigned and just that whole, just from coming out of seminary, you know, going through the ministerial institute, um, all of that, and then being assigned, and how does that affect you physically and mentally? Oh, um, well, <laughs> and you and share what you want to share now. If you don't want to, yes, you know, right, right. Um, share what well, you first, well, let me share. well let me give it. Let me give some context. Um, I I did receive my first appointment after graduating from seminary, but my first assignment was as an intern. Gotcha. So I, I have to, you know, give honor to both. First was I went in trying to fit the mold and um, easily quickly found out that I did not have the tools necessary to, I didn't. Um, I, 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 this particular story, I have to say, I remember sitting in the congregation in, in this beautiful, you know, historic AME church and the pastor says, all right, uh, yeah, we're not going, nobody is going to leave this sanctuary until this budget is paid and the bills are paid. Now, I, I've gotten my, the brother said, I've gotten my payment for the month. Y'all, I've got mine already, but y'all need to come up with, okay, and lock the door and had to, had to pro temp lock the door. And I'm thinking, I'm not going to be able to, I don't have, I don't have what this takes. <laughs> you know what I'm um, fast forward, having gotten, uh, becoming seminary trained and recognizing that um, 
everyone, even if they lay the hands on you, everyone who is uh, called to be a leader in the Zion is not called to be a leader to show you what to do. Some people God allows to show you how it should not, not be, be right. And so, so I had to, you know, take that into account. Now, here it is in the next situation. My main thing is, and just like I said, even though the people were um, in a mental space that was very traditional, because I came in and I loved them, right? They, they, they was rocking with me for at least a year and a half before some other crazy stuff happened. So it was the fact that I have been able to watch um, how I want to be treated and and how, what I see being done. That is, those were the jewels I brought with me into my first appointment where I was pastor and I, and the people loved me. And the sad thing about it is um, when, when I had to leave primarily because of a naked picture, but you know, because of a naked picture, I had to leave, (laughs) you know, the, the people, the people cried. You know what I'm saying? So even though I'm talking about this black Jesus and I'm talking about chakras and I'm talking about meditation, they were with me. They were with me. And so that because I loved them, they loved me. Gotcha. I love, I love that. I really, really do. So you mentioned the naked, the alleged. <laughs> Great segue to talk about sex in the church. And I'm sure people are probably like, what the, what in the what? Sex in the yes. what? Right. So tell people um, more about sex in the church. Um, well, I'll say this as a womanist theologian, um, right now I am working on a doctorate at the oldest freestanding HBCU seminary in the country, Payne Theological Seminary. And, um, my project is womanist approaches to Christian conversion with use of ministry. I mean, with use of film and media, um, we have to make certain that the 90% of people that are attending and upholding our church, that are cleaning and frying chicken, that are giving out uh, program programs and, and getting the kids to choir rehearsal, that group, we should attend to their needs. Um, and I'm talking about women's issues, right? So we also have the situation with, um, men who have had do you know more men were molested as boys than we're willing to talk about and and that they are willing to discuss because of the um this toxic masculine notion that you should like sex with whomever whenever however and get it from whomever however whenever as early as possible and that there are people who actually set their children up I mean we can go we can we can talk about the big names you know but there are people who actually set their children up to make sure that they have sexual experiences I mean can you imagine being a boy growing up in that type of environment let's make it clear this type of environment the entire the type of environment where you know if you have a a question about sex who who can you go to that is not um either bound by or addicted to it right if you are a girl who um you know just got her period who church is the spiritual house 
But if you just got your spirit or your period, you can't go to nobody at church and ask spiritually, what does that mean? Exactly. Which is so sad. So we need to make certain to serve the souls that have come to be served. And Sex in the Church is the podcast that provides faith-based information, um, spiritually informed information. Because here's the thing, I have a master of divinity, not a a master's of Christian education. Um, So this is about the full scope and holistic aspect of one's soul and spirituality, right. not just what your Sunday school teacher told you in third grade. Ooh. <laughs> I love that. And I love that you, and we both are, are trying to do the same thing in terms of holisticness, if you will, uh, in the church. And I'm coming from it from a um, health standpoint and what you're talking about affects your health as well. Yes. Um, if you're not allowed to ask those questions in church and talk about those things that probably happened to you from a brother in church and you, you're supposed to kind of brush it off and not mention it, that causes burnout as well. And just think mm-hmm. about all the pastors and ministry leaders that are carrying that past with them and trying mm-hmm. to minister to people and they've never mm-hmm. talked about it or addressed all of that that happened to them. Yeah, and that's why we have churches that are um, ill-equipped to handle it because you still have people who are dealing with their own trauma. Right. Now, and, and let's be clear, just because, and I, and I want to say, and I know you're not saying this, but I want to restate, just because you have gone through trauma does not mean that your usefulness is any way slighted. Exactly. You know, and I think that that's something we should embrace. Um, No matter where you are in the process of healing, as long as you are in the process of healing, then you are a positive effect on someone else. So whether it is the encounter stage where, you know what, I, I just addressed it. I just decided to even address what happened to me when I was 11. Or, you know, whether you are in um, in the, the maintenance stage. Of, hey, and let's look, it's more than just, you know, sexual trauma. You have to think oh, about yeah. it. People who have gender issues, people who, um, I, I don't know, it, it could be you. It could be, you know, I'm a person that I have not traditionally felt attracted to the sex that people thought I would be. You know what I'm saying? And growing up in church, the... Um, the isolation of having to do that alone or, or without someone that is biblically informed to help you through it. Look at abortion. Um, how many girls, how many boys have had this happen, you know, in or had who did this right in their teenage years or young adult years and had nobody to talk to or process it with. Let's look at divorce. People have been divorced in church 10, 15 years and still have not talked to anybody. We at church tell them, come on, you get married in church, but then if you get divorced, you're on your own. That's unfair, okay? And how do we deal with the history of toxic masculinity and toxic femininity that has become um, interset in our communities and the way that we relate to one another as black men and black women? Like we, if we're not having these conversations, we're setting people up for failure. Exactly. Exactly. So, so true. I love that. And I love that you're doing that work because it is 
so needed. It is so, so needed. And God bless you for doing that. Um, I know you mentioned, um, I think, did, did you say that you recovered from burnout? Do you feel like you're still working through that? Oh yeah. Uh, you know what? I, um, the recovery and I, I would like to say this, um, in comparing it to maybe, uh, somebody who's running a, you know, running a little, running a little race, you know, like a marathon, um, you know, sometimes when you're sprinting and you're not meant to be a sprinter, <laughs> you, you, you burn out faster, you know, <laughs> right. Um, but if you, if you're meant to be a hurdler, you meant to be at the long jump, you mean, you know, when you're doing what you're called to do at the rhythm and flow and pace that you're called to do it, all you have to do is make sure to put the process of countering burnout in your routine. Right. You know, if that, if you just have, if you have a, 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 a way to um, not be burned out, if you have a way to replenish your soul, replenish your mind, replenish yeah. that is a part of the routine. Right then uh, you're less likely to be burnt out. Thanks. You're more likely then to be able to enjoy vacation Thanks. instead of recovering from burnout. Come on now. Come on now. <laughs> because that's what I teach. That is exactly what I teach is putting routines in place that will help you prevent and overcome burnout because stress is going, if you are living, you are going to encounter stress period. And period. burnout comes about when you haven't handled the stress. Like you're not well equipped to handle stress. You don't have the systems in place to help you with that stress, that stressful event. It then turns into burnout. So I'm so happy you mentioned that. Um, you mentioned uh, changing your culture early, which I absolutely love. You know, my background is HR and, um, I can talk for days about culture and how that is the soil, if you will. It is the soil in which burnout it grows from. Wow. It really, really is. And so I'm so happy that you said you changed your culture. And that happens sometimes. You got to change the people you're around, the environment. You have to, if you care about overcoming burnout, if you care about thriving in ministry, you do have to do that sometimes. I'm so happy that you mentioned that. Um, and it sounds like you have created systems that have helped you overcome burnout and it's helping you prevent it in the future. Um, but now I, the system I need to create is, is your consultation, how to, how to move, you know, I, I'm moving at a nice pace, okay? But right now we need to put things in place to, progress absolutely absolutely and you know how to reach me you know how to reach me. <laughs> but I love that so much I also want to um, mention because I've spoken to a few new pastors um and I remember when I was in ministry <laughs> I listened I was not mentally prepared for any of that I was like, what did I just say? Oh, this is not. Is this what was behind the veil the whole right. time? <laughs> what? And I really do believe that 
burnout prevention or, or stress prevention really should be something that's taught in all types of, in our ministerial institute, in all seminary. I mean, there's, it's kind of like when, so I recently um, completed my uh, health coaching cer certification. So I'm a certified um, integrated Woo! health coach. And you like, got some more credentials. Okay. <laughs> so I have all of this knowledge in health coaching, but I didn't know squat about running a business. Mm, right, right. And I feel like that's what happens to pastors. They learn a lot of biblical <laughs> ministry, everything, but there's no adequate teaching on how to pastor or run, if you will, a church. And a lot of, I know this is very controversial, but uh, it really is similar to being a CEO, um, being an entrepreneur. It really, really is. There's, there's similar qualities, um, similar char characteristics, similar job descriptions, if you will. Right. Um, but I think that's one of the reasons that new pastors are, are they were, they were like me. I wasn't a pastor. I got off that track pretty early. I was like, uh-uh, this ain't for me. <laughs> but I feel like if it's taught in seminary, then maybe we can retain a lot of new pastors. What, what's your thought on thoughts on any type of stress prevention or, I don't know, any, any of that being taught in seminary? Why did you do this to me? This was a setup. This is a setup. Um, I'm just gonna say, like, I I know that a lot of people feel that they can get a a, a degree. Uh, you know, um, I know people who are successful preachers that have bachelors in English. I know people. Hey, ministry leader, do you feel overwhelmed and exhausted and you haven't had a break in years? Do you feel swamped and you feel like you were on the clock 24-7? What about your health? Has your health worsened since you entered the ministry? First, please know that you're not alone. The Schaefer Institute reported that 90% of pastors say they work 55 to 70 hours per week, and 50% of them feel unable to meet the demands of ministry. Secondly, there's help. You need to work with me. I'm a burnout prevention coach for ministry leaders, and I will teach you stress management and relaxation techniques that will help you go from overwhelmed and exhausted to feeling like a calm and equipped leader who actually loves being in ministry. All you have to do is go to businesschurchlife.com, then go to the work with me tab and complete the burnout prevention application to apply to work with me. Now, due to the nature of my training, I can only work with a few ministry leaders at a time. So go complete the application as soon as you're done listening to this podcast. People who are successful preachers 
that have masters in Christian knowledge, you know. Right. Um, there are a lot of, speaking on seminary, there are a lot of different types of institutions. We have somehow our church has been inundated with a lot of um, these white evangelical for-profit online schools yeah. that um, do not address the holistic, as you are, you know, you always say the holistic aspect of pastoring. So um, unfortunately, we have a lot of people who have these masters, but it, it doesn't help you as a pastor in um, today's um, environment of, of a person's soul from, from their, you know, psychologically, emotionally, socially, culturally, um, financially, you know, all of the aspects of a person, can, you're not gonna learn how to cater to uh, the human soul with, with, with those types of programs. Yeah. Um, and I can just, you know, there was, it was the Reverend Dr. Michael Johnson, may he rest in power. Yeah. Um, that pulled me aside and said, you are a minister and, and you need the best education. And, you know, the, these schools, the ones that deal with the human soul and that have had a hundred year track record of producing top voices in the academy and in Christendom, this is where you need to go. Don't be in a rush just to have a degree. Right. Just to be able to say, I, I got me a, you got people who got PhDs in six, six months just to be right. able to say, I'm doctor. Right. But what did you learn? How did you learn to care for the soul of the people? Exactly. And in that process, because the, the three-year process of seminary is a, it is called, the first year is called deconstruction. Mm. where you are being stripped for everything you came there with is being you got to let that go wow. and so um during that deconstruction that we who go to those seminaries get we're having to come out into the profession and deal with people who had, it had, did not have that training right. so it's a different code we got a whole different language you know so yes it becomes problematic when um and that's what i'm saying it's not necessarily the, the, the school you go to, it is your reluctance to learn the information that you need to learn to help your people progress. Mm. And so in, in, the, in the schools that I attended, in, in the ones that I was so fortunate, I am fortunate to be associated with, that is a mainline consideration. You know, pastoral care and counseling, we all have to take it. They advise all of us to make sure that we are in counseling. We are in therapy. You should never be providing any type of pastoral care or counseling and you are not in therapy. I so, that. I mean, these, this, these are basic, you know, uh, rules of thumb for those of us who were educated similarly. Love that. I love that. I'm so happy that they're <clears throat> focusing on pastoral care. Um, it is vitally important but from my observation, I feel like it can be better. I feel like there's some, just from what I've seen, there's, 
there needs to be some other things they could focus on as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, I tell you what, once we get home, I think, I think that's, you know, when we're in the, when you're in the safety of your seminary campus and you know what I'm saying, everybody right. around you is a scholar and, you know, like my therapist, her name was Ms. Robinson. You know, so Ms. Robinson, she tears where you, I mean, it was, this is the culture of what we do. This is how we do it. But then when you get home, um, whether it is, oh, yeah, please, yes. Yeah, it's just, a, <laughs> those resources are not set up the same. Your support system is not the same. Your, um, your colleague network shifts. So instead of, hey, how are you maintaining your health? How are you maintaining your wholeness? How are you affecting yours? What is your, how is your energy affecting even the people around you? See, th this is the type of community that, that, that raised me. So when we get here and then the conversation is, woo, you got a big church. Right. So it has to be established. And I like how you said that, you know, we, it's lackluster. There's a lot that needs, there's a lot more that needs to happen. And that needs to take place on the, the appointment level. It needs to take place exactly. on the, when we make it home, I don't know what it's called, right. you know? <laughs> exactly. I agree. And that's, that's, and, and I saw that um, when I was going through ministerial, the ministerial institute, um, didn't start seminary, but I saw that that was missing. And just from the conversations I've had with a lot of pastors, because I have a lot of pastor friends, um, a lot of ministerial friends, um, I saw that that was lacking. And that's when God told me to start my ministry of ministering <laughs> pastors, uh, which I, I ran from, ooh, <laughs> I did not want to do this, but uh, I am so happy that I've been obedient and it's been, it's been amazing. So that is the community that I am trying to um, create here as a, a safe space for pastors to have oh, those man. colleagues um, within this community that you can talk to if you're having a problem with, um, you know, Sister Lulabelle, who is your administrative assistant, but she don't know how to use a computer. You know, those things can be stressful after. <laughs> Only in the Black church do we have those types of problems. You know, why is this, right. you know, why is Sister Lulabelle was on the phone, your ad administrative assistant? Like, that's a, we need to change that. <laughs> you know, let us know, sister, sister, and I, my apologies to any Sister Lula Bells out there. That's just the first name. <laughs> with, a, with a flip phone. With a flip phone. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> that's just the first thing that popped in my head. But why isn't Sister Lula Bell running another ministry? You know, clearly administrative assistance is not her ministry. Um, yeah, it's not and well, oh, honey, that's too limited. See, and this is what I'm talking about. When we really know, really, when we when we're dealing with um the the the, the spiritual leadership and the cultivating the assisting to cultivate the human soul, my responsibility as a leader is to make is to make sure that Sister Lulabel knows her position in this church is invaluable exactly. and that that, she, that you know her the her work is necessary and it is exactly. is um much needed and so therefore i'm going to we're going to we're going to promote you 
We're gonna find. We're gonna promote you to coordinator of of this, and I'm gonna give you an assistant. Okay, and he she's gonna be your the director of this thing here. Okay, you're the coordinator. They're the director. This is how this is gonna go because you're so so needed and so valuable. See that that's when you when you when you naturally want to make certain that the that the human soul is intact and inspired exactly exactly it's not about you as the leader it's about making sure the people feel the presence of god when they are with you absolutely absolutely and find having those conversations and getting to know sister little bit look sister little bit i'm sorry we can use you but getting to know Sister Lulabelle and what what her God-given talents and gifts are and mm-hmm. let her operate in that. And yeah. then she will be so happy and fulfilled and willing Absolutely. to stay. Absolutely. And then you can find someone that has those administrative tasks and gifts that can mm-hmm. be your administrative assistant and everybody's happy. Right. That's it. That's all I'm yeah, saying. You know, absolutely. we um, honor, honor people. And I hear you, you know, on your trainings and um, things you discuss uh, with your organizational management aspect, you know, how, how, how to manage volunteers. Yep. That's, I mean, that's basically what we're talking about. Exactly. Exactly. You know, everybody, and a lot of pastors don't like to hear this, but con- the congregation does not have to do what you ask. <laughs> Them to do right, and I'm gonna go right, and I'm gonna go so far as to say when you, because of your poor management ability, um, make obedience to God contingent. Come on, to fulfilling hmm. your administrative responsibilities. That's when we become it's called spiritual abuse. Right, right, right. Spiritual abuse, but you don't know that because you don't have a colleague. You don't have a group of people who you're accountable to because right. you got you went to school you and your phone and no other group of people that you had to process uh best practices with exactly Absolutely. so that's why our denominations are so important Absolutely. we have to have that type of accountability how i see you got you know your major budget but how are you affecting the people exactly exactly i love that i love that and i feel like we need to talk more about that because and, and again, it's not to dog pastors at all. It's just that, as I mentioned earlier, kind of like being a CEO or um, a business owner, there's some things you just aren't taught. Right. And that's one of the things. Is- Ooh. <laughs> I'm gonna say, and I'm, and I'm going to have to give some people some props right quick because, you know, even in a, in a, in a city, um, that is not, you know, an Atlanta or a DC or a Miami. There have there are people who have been able to care for care, care for human souls yeah. in such a way that their ministries flourish. Yeah. Right. 20 years ago, we did not even perceive that the the interdenominational or the non-denominational churches yeah. would be the mainline churches right. in a city. That those were the ones that just came up and crop, cropped up alongside. But now, t- 10, 20 years after leaving outside of this traditional box yeah. and yeah. catering to the souls of the people, 
You know, these non-denominational churches was, oh, you really, you good with um, gardening? You're over the gardening ministry. Exactly. Oh, you, you're good with, are you a nurse? Okay. Hey, work along with this health ministry. They're going to put you to, oh, you have, what you said, you have dreams about this and that. Okay. We're going to put us, have a spiritual gifts class. Exactly. Reaching outside of the box to to recognize who is at the center of this who right. is at the center of this is the souls of the people that's the center so when we serve the souls of the people then we're less likely to go wrong yes when you're serving yourself you're gonna fall off quick oh yes ma'am yes ma'am that is so <laughs> true so so true so true um i'm gonna end it here because we're we're right at hour. You and I could talk. <laughs> you already know. <laughs> you already. I could talk forever, forever. But thank you so so much. I want you to tell everyone where they can find you on social media. Oh wow! Um, you can find me um, on Instagram at Pastor Terrace. You can find me on Twitter at Pastor Terrace, and. Um, I I'm, I think I'm on Facebook as well as Pastor Terrace. I think so. I think yes. So. I'll make sure I put a link um, in the description box where everybody can find you. And also, if you can give me um, a link to your podcast as well, I'll make sure to link that in the description box. But I enjoy this so much, y'all. I have to cut it off because she and I will really... <laughs> you know we could go with the same color green exactly exactly i may have to bring you back on so we can continue the conversation but that is all pastor terrace thank you well look uh, 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 it would be my pleasure and no sister thank you thank you for your knowledge your wisdom thank you for taking your calling seriously seriously enough to become prepared for it Thank you for continuing your education in spite of your extreme intelligence. And thank you for being wholehearted and sensitive to the needs of individual people, even when individuals aren't wholeheartedly sensitive to you. Thank you so much for the example. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, that is all, everyone. I will talk to you later. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Burned Out Preacher Podcast. And make sure you are following me on Instagram. I'm at Burnout Coach Mo. And I would love, love, love to hear from you. So make sure you send me a DM and say hi. And let me know if this podcast has been helpful. Also, it would be very helpful if you would leave a five-star rating for this podcast, as it will really, really help other ministry leaders find this podcast so it can help them also. If you leave a rating, make sure you take a screenshot and send me a DM so I can personally thank you. Again, thank you for listening and I'll see you in the next episode.